welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. Today, we feature audio from the Elite Business Advice Podcast with Chris Moore. In this episode, Chris shares his top five book recommendations for small business owners, along with a quick overview of each book. This episode is sponsored by Fresh Coat, Paint Care, and Rust-Oleum. Welcome to the Elite Business Advice Podcast. My name is Chris Moore. I'm the founder of Elite Business Advisors, and the goal of our podcast is to help you grow your business, but also educate you on a variety of topics that affect self-employed small business owners. Today's episode, we're going to do something a little different. We've had a lot of requests from listeners about a top five book list, and so I'm going to go through and fulfill that request today and chat through our top five favorite books for small business owners. Um, now, the first thing I want to kind of go through is, is you know, I'm going to provide the top five list. We'll do a quick overview of each book and some key takeaways out of it. We don't want to spoil the whole book because then what's the point in reading it, right? Uh, but to just kind of give you some Scooby snacks on, on what that book can do for you, what you can expect to take away from it. Uh, but before I get into that, I, I got to share a little bit about why books have become such an important part of my life. Uh, you know, when I was 20 years old and kind of had my first mentor, was getting my feet wet in the painting industry uh, and, and running a business with that. And, and he told me, he's like, hey, there's this book called 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by John Maxwell. Now, it doesn't make our top five list, uh, but I'd put it top 10. So it's shortly thereafter. Uh, and I think it took me probably a whole year to read that book because I wasn't really interested in reading. Like it was one of those things that felt forced on me. I was the person that said after I graduated from college that I was never going to open another book again ever in my life uh, because reading just wasn't a huge thing for me. I remember being younger and reading like Harry Potter books and different things like that uh, for like entertainment. But as far as like self-growth and personal development, it just wasn't really a huge interest to me at the time. Um, and so he was like, hey, we're going to read this together as a team. And so I think I drug my feet. It took me a year to read it. I definitely faked my way through it. There's probably some cliff notes in there uh, and then just enough to have the conversation. Right. Um, and so that was kind of like what got my feet wet with reading uh, in personal development books. And, and I'll never forget, like, as we started going through this, the book's very well laid out. John does a great job in the book. And it's 21 chapters, basically. Each chapter is like five to seven pages. So I'm almost embarrassed that it took me an entire year to read the whole book. Um, but it basically, you know, each one is a law of leadership, right? Like something that he lives by. And I was very much ingrained in leadership when I worked with student painters and just what my role was as being the general manager of St. Louis and in the Missouri region. And so, you know, it was, it was kind of like eye opening. I started taking some things out of it. I started seeing like changes in me and I'm like, Hmm, you can get all this out of reading, right? Uh, because to me, reading books is really nothing more than just like having a mentor, right? I've never personally met John Maxwell, um, but I feel like he's been able to have an influence on my life through his three or four books that I've read over the years. Uh, and so I think that's a really cool aspect about reading is you can get insight from a lot of people that you would pay a lot of money to have a one-on-one -on -one coaching session with. Uh, and you can kind of get their thoughts and, and take it and implement it into your life. And so I started, I started realizing that a little bit. I started seeing the changes um, and I got more and more into reading. And I'll never forget, I always, I always share this kind of fun story. So my goal became to read like 15 minutes every morning. And 
a lot of people ask, how did you build the discipline to do that, right? Because it's always hard to find time to read. I don't know about anybody listening to this, but for me, if I read at night, like I will fall asleep like that. No doubt about it. Like, I don't care if it's 7.30 and we're laying in bed and I'm wide awake and I just had eight cups of coffee, I will still find a way to fall asleep instantly. So I knew that wasn't going to work. And so I was like, well, I'm going to have to read in the morning. I'm like, perfect. I'll get up early. I'll read like an extra 15 minutes. Um, and the reason that it worked for me, and this sounds really dumb, but you got to figure out what you can do to reward yourself for this, right? Um, when I started this whole journey, I was probably 24. We had just bought our first house. My wife was still in PA school. Um, I can't say we were completely broken poor, but we also weren't just wealthy and have a lot of money, right? Uh, and so we were just getting like cheap like coffee from a grocery store that doesn't even exist anymore, Shop and Safe here in St. Louis, uh, every morning. And I'm like, man, I would love to just get the, the Starbucks blonde roast grounds every morning and make our coffee. And I was like, you know what? There's my reward. Every morning I read, you get your Starbucks coffee in the coffee pot. Like such a very small, insignificant thing, right? But apparently I love Starbucks Blonde Roast so much that it literally motivated me to read every morning. So I just had to share that because people ask like, how did you get to a spot where you were reading three books a month? And I always have to share that story. Like this sounds really dumb, but it's what worked for me. And once you build that habit of doing it every day, it's easy to stick with it, right? Um, and so I want to go through and kind of share our top five books and, and just kind of want to give the backstory on why we feel like reading is such an important part um, of growing yourself and growing your business. And, and I, I guess I'll clarify with this, you know, one it doesn't have to be reading the physical book. If you're an audiobook person and you get a lot out of that, then by all means, listen to audiobooks. You know, when we talk about reading, in my opinion, listening to an audiobook is kind of the same concept of it. I'm more of a physical book. I like to read it. Um, I've gotten more and more in tune with Kindle, but I like being able to read things because it's kind of my time to reflect and soak into it. Usually when I'm listening even to like podcasts, which sounds terrible as I'm recording this, I'm usually doing other things, right? I'm driving, I'm working, I'm, you know, working out, I'm doing house chores. I'm still getting information out of it, but I'm also just distracted enough that I don't get the full value out of it. Uh, so if that's you, I forgive you because I'm the same way. So, um, so I want to just kind of clarify that. There's a couple other books that I would like to put on this list, but we actually have interviews with the authors coming up here over the next handful of months. Uh, and so just for sake of repetitiveness, I'm omitting that. So these are our top five books outside of the upcoming interviews we've got going on. So let's dive into this a little bit here. Um, the first one is called Entrepreneur Roller Coaster by Darren Hardy. Uh, if you do not know Darren Hardy, I would highly suggest doing some research on him. Um, he does a thing every single morning. It's called Darren Daily. And he sends out a two to five, maybe seven minute video every morning, Monday through Friday in your inbox on email. It's free to subscribe to. It's a great just like little way to kind of start out your day. Uh, but Darren Hardy has become one of my favorite authors, one of my favorite business people to follow. Uh, he was the editor and, and uh, chief publisher of Success Magazine for a handful of years. He's got a, such a cool entrepreneurial story. He's written a lot of great books. We'll talk about another one in a couple minutes. Uh, but Darren wrote this book, Entrepreneur Roller Coaster, released it about four or five years ago. And to me, it's one of the best books on business for a couple of reasons. One, in this book, uh, he talks a lot about each different area of business, right? So this isn't a marketing book. It's not a sales book. It's not a 
you know, how to recruit and scale your company book. It's not a how to write the business plan book. It's literally everything. Like it's, it's almost kind of like a Bible for building a business in my opinion. Uh, and I, I like it because one, I love the name. Um, anybody that's an entrepreneur listening to this knows it's a roller coaster, right? There's going to be highs and lows. There are going to, there's going to be peaks and valleys and fun points and not as fun points. And so I love the title in itself because entrepreneurship is literally a roller coaster. Uh, but I love the content that he shares in this book uh, and the way that he goes about doing it. Um, he doesn't just hit on the concepts and like certain things in each area. He really starts to hit on the mentality of what the business owner, the entrepreneur needs to know, how they need to think through things. It's not like, hey, here's how you do this. It's here's why you should be thinking about it from this perspective. Uh, and so if you haven't got that book, that would be like my number one, go read this tomorrow book. Um, the second book is called E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Uh, and in this book, Michael Gerber, he's a consultant, and he talks through, um, a lot of people have used the term working on your business and working in your business. And Michael goes through and uses kind of a story and an analogy throughout the whole book um, of a lady that owns a pie baking shop and really shows the difference between what it's like to work in your business and work on your business. Because I think a lot of times we get very self-deceived in that. Uh, we will say, oh, I am, I'm working on my business today. But really you're doing things that's kind of working in the day-to-day -day operations of your business, right? Working on your business is more of thinking the big picture, the vision, things that you can change, things you can implement, systems and processes, and, and ways you can grow your company um, either through quality, through ease of communication, um, through growing it, you know, revenue-wise. That's working on your business. Working in your business for my painting contractor friends is going out and doing estimates and sales. A lot of people say, well, I'm working on my business. Like, no, you're working in your business doing the estimates, right? It's a necessary evil, but it's not working on the business. Working on the business might be finding a better way to do your estimates and putting some processes together with that. Uh, so I hope that kind of analogy makes a little sense. But he, he talks a lot about why entrepreneurs fall into the rut of entrepreneurship, uh, anybody listening to this that's a business owner, I guarantee at some point in time, if you've been in business for more than, I'll say two months, um, you have found a rut where you kind of got to a point where you felt stuck or maybe you felt a little burned out. Um, even if it was for a couple of minutes, at some point in the, those couple of months, uh, you felt like, wow, why did I do this, right? Um, and that's kind of the analogy in the book is, is this girl, Sarah, um, builds her pie baking shop um, that she becomes the person working 12 hours a day. She has one person that like mans the cash register for like four hours because that's all she can afford to pay her. And she's like doing everything, right? She's doing the cleaning. She's doing the finances. She's baking the pies. She's doing everything. Um, and in there, he talks about kind of the mentality of a business owner. He says, you're either a technician, you're somebody that works in the business every day doing all of the things. You are a manager. Um, you kind of manage, you know, mid-level with it and stuff. Um, or you're an entrepreneur, uh, you are the, the business owner. You treat it like a business system, not, hey, this is my like little hobby. I'm baking pies type thing. Um, and so he really tries to go through and, and, and talk through about how to set your business up systematically to grow and basically pretend that you're selling it as a franchise opportunity. Uh, and that you want to think through your business, even if you don't ever plan to franchise it, even if you don't ever plan to sell your business, how can you set it up to where you could do that if you ever wanted to? And that's what usually kind of gets you away from being the person that stuck working in your business every day to being the entrepreneur that kind of gets to work on the business as a whole. Um, now, the third one, I'm going to go back to another Darren Hardy book here. Uh, it's called The Compound Effect. 
uh, and it's again by Darren. Uh, there's two other books out there that are very similar, so I want to kind of special mention to those. Um, they have the same concept. They're different in the way of the message is delivered. The one is called The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. The other is Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, if you've read either of those two books, um, maybe move this compound effect down to the list or read it after some time has passed reading the other two. But it's very similar in the message that small, seemingly insignificant things add up over time. Um, and I think that that's what's really important, both the good and the bad, right? Things are easy to do. They're also easy not to do. Uh, and there's a lot of things that kind of go hand in hand with that, that you can, you know, <laughs> very small habits that are um, easy to implement in your life and just as easy not to implement, right? It's easy to go have a salad at lunch. It's just as easy to go have a cheeseburger for lunch, right? If we're talking about health and fitness, uh, same thing is kind of true for working out at times that it's easy to work out for 20 minutes, even if it's just running on the treadmill or going for a quick half mile walk. Um, it's also just as easy to sit on the couch and watch TV while you do that. Uh, and so this kind of goes through to, to, to talk through the point of how doing little things that may seem very small and insignificant can really add over time and compound for pun intended with the title uh, that, you know, it, it really will change where you're at in 12, 18, 24 months down the road, even though you're not going to see the change in the moment. Um, and I love this because it really teaches us to think long term, right? Um, there's no lie. We're in the microwave instant gratification society right now, right? Uh, if I have a question about who was the MVP of the 1985 World Series, I could literally go to Google and have an answer within five to seven seconds, depends on how good the Wi-Fi is, right? Um, and so we like to make decisions based on in the now. Like, do I work out and do I feel better five minutes afterwards. You probably do. But if you work out for every, you know, four days a week for four years, you're going to feel really good later on down the road, but you may not really start to see those results for three, four, six, eight weeks down the road, right? Um, and so these, this thinking just really helps us think long-term, especially in our business. I think this is a great personal growth book. Again, it's one of my favorites, but I think it's great for the business side of it because you're going to do little things today that seem very insignificant. Maybe it's making a post on Facebook, um, sharing some pictures from your job site. And you're like, well, it's easy to do. It's easy not to do. Nothing's going to maybe change in my business if I don't do it. You're right. But if you do it and you do it consistently three to four times a week, over time, you're going to start to see results. So you may not see it right away, but you're going to see it down the road. Um, and I got, there's two analogies from this book I just had to share with you guys. The first one is, if you were given a penny that doubles in value every day for 31 days, or you could have $3 million right now, which one would you pick? I'm going to pause for a second. I'm going to repeat and think about that. If you could have a penny that doubles every day in value for 31 days or $3 million now, which would you pick? Now, I was smart enough when I read this book to know I was being set up, so I knew which answer to pick just because it seemed too obvious to pick the $3 million, right? Um, and here's, here's kind of the analogy. I'll break down the numbers for you real quick. So on day 10, if you chose the penny, you would have $5.12. On day 10, you're like, man, that $3 million, like I'm kind of regretting this, right? Day 20, you're up to $5,243. Nothing's still really to write home about, right? You're um, a lot of money short of the $3 million. And then on day 30, though, the day 20 to day 30 is where things really compound and accelerate over time. Day 30, you're at $5.3 million. Day 31, you're at $10.6 million. Um, and it's those benefits of a lot of times, you know, people will do a habit and they'll maybe do it for 25 days 
and they just don't do it those last five to six days to really see that extra compounding effort start to pay off. Um, same thing with health and fitness and business and stuff. Uh, the other analogy, and this goes really specifically into health and fitness, but um, he talks about 125 calories a day. If you could cut that out of your diet, um, it really won't be noticeable for the first eight to 10 months. On the flip side, if you eat 125 calories a day more, you're not going to notice it that much eight to 10 months down the road, right? That's like a granola bar, not even maybe. Um, but by month 18, you start noticing a very slight difference. By month 25, it's very noticeable. By month 31, it's very startling of a difference. Um, and he uses the analogy, and, and I'm not sure if this was a study done or just kind of the concept of it um, and the math broken down. I won't go into all that. But he says, you know, if there was three friends that, you know, one of them cut out 125 calories, the other one added 125, and the third one stayed the same, um, by month 31, the one friend that cut it out would have lost 33 and a half pounds. The month or the friend that added the 125 calories weighed 33 and a half pounds more for a 67 pound swing between them. Um, and so it's little things like that, that I want you to think about what are little things that you can do in your life that will compound for the good. What are the things you're doing in your life that doesn't really seem to make a difference right now, but long-term, you know, this probably isn't a really good thing for me. Um, so that's all I want to leave with on that one. Book number four, Cashflow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki. Um, for those of you guys that don't know Robert Kiyosaki, he's got a lot of financial books, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, a whole series with it. Um, he's a very great author to follow. Um, he has a lot of great advice. Uh, he loves real estate, so he talks a lot about how real estate can be a passive investment and all those different types of things. If that's something you're interested in, you will love some of his content. But either way, he's got a lot of great stuff out there for business owners and people just to help get ahead. Uh, and so what I really want to hit on is kind of the systematic piece of business from this book, not necessarily the financial part of it. Uh, but what he really says is there's four main ways that you can make money in life. And I mean this morally, ethically, and legally. There's a lot of other ways you can make money I wouldn't recommend. Um, but the four main ways um, is you are an employee of another company or somebody, you are self-employed, you are a business owner, and you are an investor. And he kind of puts these in a quadrant based on time for money exchange and systematic, um, you know, money making and stuff. And so, you know, really where he says that is, you know, if you're an employee, you're always trading your time for money, right? You make 20 bucks an hour, you work 40 hours a week, you made 800 bucks a week. The only way you can make more money is to put more time into it, right? If you have to call in sick uh, and you don't have paid time off, you make less money that week. Um, it's a constant time for money exchange. Most people that want to go start a business, they get sick of that. They stop, they quit what they're doing, they go start their own business, right? Probably for a lot of contractors, this might be kind of your journey through business. Uh, and so they become self-employed, right? And what he says is when you become self-employed, you own a job. Um, instead of having one boss that you report to, now you have 100 bosses, which are all of your clients, because you have to make them happy so that they pay you, right? And it's still a time for money exchange because what you put into it is what you get out of it, right? If you don't go do estimates, if you don't market your business, if you don't show up to do the production on your paint jobs, you aren't going to get any money out of it, right? So it's still a time for money exchange in there. Even if you have two to three employees, it's still kind of a time for money exchange. Not as much as when you're the only person doing everything or you and one person, um, but the self-employed, you know, real small, small business mentality, it's still a time for money exchange. Um, the business owner is somebody that has a system and has people put in places to 
make sure that the business runs um, and you are the true business owner of it, right? So maybe you've got an office manager that schedules out and works with all the customer service stuff. Maybe you've got an estimator that goes and does all the sales for you. You have project managers that lead the projects and the production. And you, in theory, could go on vacation for a month and your business still keeps running smoothly and fluidly and growing. And that's kind of the test that he says in here. He says, if you left for a month, we'll say that because like one week people can kind of get by taking a week vacation, things kind of get done, maybe not to the level you would have done them, but at least like things move, right? But like a month, 30 days is a really good test. If you left your business for 30 days, how would things operate without you? Would it fizzle off and die? Would it at least stay the same or would it grow? And that'll kind of tell you where you're at in this quadrant, right? If it fizzles off and dies or something, you're definitely in the self-employed quadrant. If it at least stays the same, you're kind of in between self-employed and business owner. Uh, and if things are growing and thriving and more work is being sold and things are profitable, then you've got a true business system. Uh, and then the last one, the investor, you know, that's for people that have enough money that you can go invest in businesses, real estate, you know, other investment classes and, and make money off of your money. Um, I don't know about you guys. I'm not really there yet, but we're working our way towards it. Um, but think through your business in that way. If Again, if you left for a period of time, how would how would your business run? And that'll tell you really where you're at. And hopefully that kind of gives you a vision on where you want to go to in your business if you're sick of the time for money exchange. Um, and then lastly, another book, we've talked about this on the show a handful of times. So I felt like I had to at least include this. Uh, it is one of my favorite financial books, Profit First by Mike Mikhailowitz. Um, all of Mike's books are really good. It was hard to not pick like all five of his books for this top five. Uh, but Profit First is really a, a huge blessing to, to me and to a lot of our clients just by implementing and having a financial system in your business. You know, in the book, Mike talks through having five different, you know, accounts, one for operating expenses, one for this, one for this, one for this. Um, for a lot of people, that's like a little bit of overkill, right? There's too much going on there. It's too hard to figure things out and, and make sure there's enough money everywhere. So even if you just take on a couple of key things, uh, maybe you just take on having an account that you put money aside to for taxes, 5, 10, 15, 20% of your revenue of every job goes into that account. Maybe you've got another account for your deposits that people pay you a deposit for a job. You put it aside until you need it. Uh, you know, there, there's you can kind of go, you know, as big or as small as you want, whatever you feel comfortable with. Uh, but he has a lot of great thinking. And really what he says is that most business owners, they take their revenue, they subtract out their expenses, and whatever's left is the profit in what they pay themselves. Uh, and he kind of has a different spin on that. He says, hey, figure out your revenue and then subtract the profit and the money you want to take out of the company. And what's left over should be the expenses that your company gets run on. Um, and so he kind of uses that formula to figure out like, okay, figure out, you know, how much money you want to make, figure out what your expenses are, and then use that to figure out what your revenue should be um, and how you can shrink your expenses to make sure that you can comfortably make what you want to, but you can realistically hit that revenue goal too. Uh, and so it's just kind of a different way of thinking through finances. You know, again, the term profit first says you should pay yourself first. Um, a lot of times business owners are the last people to get paid and in dire situations, that's how it should be, right? Uh, but really, you, you, you want to shift your mentality and your thinking to pay yourself first um, from the profit of your business. Uh, and the other one, I want to just kind of hit on a special mention here. Uh, there's a book called Financial Fitness by Oren Woodward and Chris Brady. This is a great personal financial book. I think you can take some lessons out of here on how to implement this into your business. 
for me, um, we had went through the financial fitness program and, and read this book. And so that kind of gave me some insight whenever I started my business to on how to kind of manage the finances. Um, there's a lot of great things in there on how to pay off debt. Um, I, I think Crystal and I, an episode we did last year, shared, you know, my wife and I paid off over $200,000 in debt in about six years. And a lot of it was through reading this book and these principles and how to go through and do that. Um, completely wiped out her student loans, car loan, paid down our mortgage, a lot of things with that. Um, so this book definitely has a special place in my heart just because of what it's done for us personally. Uh, he talks through about how to put 10% of your income into savings and don't ever touch it. Um, kind of that's where I get the tax savings piece, right, for your business. Um, you know, talks through about how you think about money. Does money master you or is it a means to your purpose and what you want to achieve in life? Um, the way that we think about finances is very important to know that. Um, maybe you don't like where you realize you think about money and you want to change. Uh, and this book will kind of go through and share a little bit how you can do that. That. Um, and then it talks through about how to create a financial system that works for you. So just like your business, like you should kind of have it set up systematically. You should kind of have the same thing with your personal finances. Uh, and I won't go through a whole lot of that, but you know, here's a kind of quick example. A lot of people pay their property taxes, you know, in one or two installments, you know, during the year. Instead of waiting and scrambling and figuring out how to pay that every year, figure out how you can just put whatever the monthly payment would be aside in an account to where when that payment comes up, you've got the money for it. Same thing with your car insurance, same thing with your, you know, vehicle registration every year, any annual expenses, figure out how to break that down in a per paycheck thing and just put that money aside to where when that expense comes up, it's not a stressful time for you. So that's the, the whole concept of it. Um, but I hope that this helps. I hope maybe, you know, if those people that are looking to read and, and get plugged into some good content, I hope that this top five book list helps. Like, so we've had a lot of requests from people uh, as we've been asking, like, hey, what topic do you want to hear about? A lot of people that know I'm a reader, they're like, man, you should really do a top five book list. Uh, so for those of you that were kind of pushing me to do this, I appreciate it. I hope it helps everybody else. Uh, and we're going to get back next week. We've got a great interview coming up uh, with another advisor out of Chicago that specializes in systems and SO P's and training programs. So have a great rest of the day. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.